It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, as far as this man's concerned, I don't know how long these people have been in the house, but you've got equity in the house from the time you've been in there you can make a claim for the equity in the house to the time that you've taken care of the house maintained the house uh you've provided security every night for the house and so on so there's a long list of things that you could bill for uh the other thing is you can put a claim in against whoever it is that trying to take possession of the of the property uh for not having guaranteed no man showed up to verify the debt in open court under oath or affirmation so you can put in a claim for moving a, a forged instrument through uh, through a court case that uh, no man did verify the case. You know, there's a whole lot you can do with the existing case and an equity claim, and uh, and then having an, another claim for a forged instrument. So there's a lot of different avenues you you can go down. And yes, all that stuff is available on Carl's uh, talk shoes. And if you're talking about a common law lien, that is a lien where I tell you I'm going to give you some money and I'm going to use your, you know, you agree that a certain property is going to be used as collateral and it's an agreement between you and I and I hold the paper. I don't, I don't put that paper anywhere. It's a short-term thing. You know, I'm going to collect the money. Once the money's collected, I give you the, uh, the paper back. That's it. We're done. Nothing ever gets filed. So as soon as you file something, it's no longer common law. Did they own the land outright before they before they put a house on it? They did. And when they borrowed the money on the house, did they borrow money on the land or only on on the? Uh, did, did, did they use the building that they were going to be putting onto the land as the the foundation, as the collateral for the loan? If they borrowed money based on what they were going to build build, which was a, uh, a construction loan, then that is what the lien was put on. It was on the building itself. If right. they, and some of these things will include a, uh, a lien on the land, but the, the repossession is of the house, not of the land. So it's like getting your car repossessed. You can hand them the keys and say, here you go, get the car off my property, right. off my land. And uh, in the same sense, you can do that with a house. So that's something to think about later. So who's holding that paper right now? That's a that's we a don't know. Law. Okay, that's that's a note, and that note is paid on demand to the bearer of the note. And it's right in the, in the first blank, but in the first court case, HSBC admitted that the note had been lost or destroyed, and was petitioning the court to reestablish it. The court did not grant that order or grant them that. So the note is nowhere to be found. That's right. Well, then three months later, they said, oh, we found it. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Who examined it? Nobody, because when we, the first uh, substantial meeting we had was a summary judgment meeting with a retired judge. And when we challenged and said, please bring the note up and, and, and can we get an extension to have a, a forensic document examiner examine the note, 
the the uh, the judge said, "Oh, we have the note in the vault, but uh, you can't see it." And they said, well, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, some maybe sometime in the future you can see it." But that was the day that he signed the summary judgment for for HSBC. Sounds like uh, sounds like a void judgment. Yeah, it sounds like you could just uh, go right back and have that thing ripped right out. Yeah, there, there was a. There has to be a man that stands in court and verifies the debt. Right. The 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 note, for for instance, the note is only to determine who the debt is owed to. Right. But there has to be an accounting of the account where somebody's going to stand in court and say, to the penny, uh, this is, you know this is the 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 verifiable debt. Or it may be uh, the guy who did the roof, and you know, and the uh, let's say the bank. Uh, paid for the roof being done because it was, you know, in desperate shape. It needed to be done while they were taking repossession, and so they they might, you know, a portion thereof may be verified by somebody else. But, right. You know, the, the debt has to be verifiable in open court. And right. If it's not, then there's there's it, it's a judgment based on no facts. And the problem right. is, is people go into court and they let the attorneys give offers of proof. You can't hold an attorney liable. Okay, the only thing you can do with an attorney is take them to uh, the Judicial Conduct Committee, and all they're going to do is give you a string of paperwork because you can't prove anything. Okay, these people were going on on what they believed, uh, or they say they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to say, well, this is what I believed. I was just involved in a case which has to do with the foreclosure, and the attorney said that we gave notice in the newspaper that we were going to sell the house, and uh, they did not. They did not give notice, and this was a big argument in the first hearing, and, uh, you know, he represented to the court that this was the case. Well, you know, the the man that I was talking to was fighting this all the way through, and at the final hearing, the attorney finally says, oh, it was a mistake, you know, one of my staff told me this. You know, so he never corrected his own mistake. He corrected it, you know, when he was, when he was called to the carpet, and you know, and, and made to answer for himself, but you know these people are not held accountable. So you you got to have somebody on the stand. And if you have a law firm, for instance, that's going to that's going to bring uh, something in, you know, I recommend you subpoena every every member of the law firm, not member, okay. every uh, partner. All right. If it's if it's Willard and Jones law firm, then you subpoena Willard and Jones. You you call them forward to testify to whatever it is that they're going to be saying on the record. I'm a man, and I have a right to question whoever it is that says I've, I've done wrong, or anybody who says I've breached a, a contract. You know, if you're saying there's a debt, then I require somebody to verify that debt. Right. So okay. Okay. Bob running around town. Bob's running around town saying I owe him twenty bucks. I owe you know, Gus owes me twenty bucks. Gus, owes, you know, and everybody thinks I owe him twenty bucks. I'm like Bob. I gave you that last week. Oh yeah, I forgot. You will shut up, man. You're going. Around, you're ruining my name. The slam dunk summary judgment was based on a a truthful default judgment, which was based on a truthful plaintiff's motion for default. And the plaintiff's motion for default was fraudulent. They said that my friends never answered the complaint, which we, the court record shows that they did. So you put a notice into the court that there was an inadvertent error, that somehow there was some information that was not brought forward, and the uh, the decision of the court was based on incomplete information, and that you require a follow-up hearing to to have the the you know to discuss the matter, 
and uh, you go in there and, and talk about the stuff that you want verified in open court. You know, the note was never brought in. So there is no verification that these people are the ones entitled to get payment. There's never an accounting of the account to prove that a certain amount of money was actually due, you know, due and owing. Uh, you know, there's just all these things that you can come up with that have to be verified in court. You know, the chain of custody. Who, who's going to prove the chain of custody on the note? I know that a man has a right to verify debt before he's made to pay it. A man cannot, you know, cannot just be told, hey, you're going to have to do this because, you know, Bob the judge said so. So uh, you can go back to that court and you can uh, put a notice in, in an error, and get the case reopened and, and put the stuff in. But, you know, you're going to have to write letters. The, the letter writing is going to be to the uh, law firm handling the case, yep. to the to the bank or whoever it is, the CEO of that company. Right. Uh, Okay, the man or woman acting in charge of that company. Uh, letters are going to go back and forth between the partners of the law firm and the CEO of the bank, letting them know that they're engaging in a uh, behavior which is causing harm to man. And that, you know, as an extension of the government, because they're all registered through the Secretary of State's office, as an extension of the government, they exist to secure the rights of man, to protect the property of man. So they're, they're way outside their bounds. And if they, you know, if they're looking to secure the and protect the property of their stockholders, okay, if that's what they claim that they're doing, then uh, which I don't think they're ever going to come forward and say, but you know, they have to, uh, you know, they have to provide the information anyway. Uh, nothing really gets them off the hook because uh, anything that they do, which is less than honorable, is causing harm to man. You know, the stuff has to be all on the record. Two days before the sale of the property, we did a motion to set aside the clerk's default judgment entered November 13, 2012, and a motion to cancel or postpone the forced sale on 225.15 hearing requested, and the, the judge just ignored it and went ahead and sold the property. Of course he did. you know what the difference is between requesting and requiring somebody to do something? One, one is a mandate and the other one's begging. That's right, and the difference between a notice and uh, and a motion. We did a notice of uh, a lien that was filed upon the property that predates their court case by a year and a half. Okay, so what did you require at the end of your notice? The guys I used to work with, you know, 10, 12 years ago, they used to call it a notice in demand. So you okay. give notice to the court. Okay. And you let them know what your demands are. And so uh, when I've looked at Carl and Carl's paperwork and, and the stuff that I've read, uh, that was based on the original version, which is what Carl's doing, which is a declaration. Uh, every lawsuit begins with a declaration. So you, you declare through a, you know through the notice process, you declare the very first thing, which is you know I declare that the sky is blue. And based on this fact, I require you to mow my lawn. Okay, so whatever it is, you start off with a declaration of the truth, of the facts, of what you believe, and then uh, you explain how you were caused damaged, that you were, you were somehow damaged, that you incurred or accrued a debt, or, or I'm sorry, uh, a loss, or a harm or an injury. And based on that, you require the court to take action. Right. And if you're doing your own claim, 
you you would include an order, like a, a prosecutor includes a, a proposed order, or in a civil case there would there'll be a proposed order, and uh, you would do the same thing if you were if it was your case. Okay, so you went into the court as a person, not as a man, okay? Because a defendant is a person, the a respondent, a petitioner is a is a person. You got to go into the court as a man to get right. notice, not judicial notice. Judicial notice is only for the judge to pay attention to. Right, you right. Give, you give notice to to the man, who to to all the world. Okay, that's what a notice is. That right. there are a certain amount of there is you know certain fact, fact one, fact two, and some of these things might be your beliefs. I believe this. I believe that. And then the uh, then the at the bottom. I require to require is to make a demand as of right and by authority. It, it's not a request. If we go to file in federal uh, in the federal court of the United States, the Form 360, and we we follow what Carl has done. Once we get in there, is there any place where you can get some instruction on the procedure to bring about? The uh, the order you wish to enforce for the wrong against the wrongdoers. Or, or I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what a form three sixty is, or if you. That's, that's what, what Carl, you, that's what Carl filed. Okay. He filed a claim I, a claim for inju- for injury instead of a complaint of which is a four forty. So when right. you're talking about a federal law, you go to federal court. In this case, you're talking about the common law, the law common to man. The man has a right to see. Uh, all the documents to verify things, to have stuff, you know, go through a forensic audit, for instance. Uh, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that a man has a right to, and you take care of that in your county court, in your, your local county court. Oh, okay. I thought it was federal court, and this was a matter of diversity in excess of $75,000 is the value of the property. All that stuff you're telling me, the diversity and the rules and the, the 75000 those are the customs of the legal society. I don't understand those things. I've never been compensated to learn those things. You can't make me learn something and apply it to my life uh, in a foreign language. There's nothing that says I have to learn how to go to court in Chinese. Because uh, what we did when we did this notice uh, in, in court after they, sold, after they sold it, my friends got a bill for another $50 because we were reopening the case, according to the county clerk. They gave a, a summary judgment with all these fees and penalties they put on of 292000 And then when they had the sale, they disallow any private investors from buying it, and they allow the bank to buy it for $1 over the minimum bid, which was 98200 So they subtract the 98000 uh, two hundred from the two ninety two thousand, and they say, okay, we still have it. We still take we take your house, and we still got a judgment against you for a two hundred and one thousand. But that, that's all. Uh, that's all part of a court case, which is based on fraud. Yeah, they, you're you're being defrauded. It's not so much fraud, but defrauding uh, you know, by by uh, they're withholding material facts from the case. Uh, what I was amazed at is they went against their own rules, which are just so glaring that they committed, you know, filing a false document. Are, are, you, right. are you an attorney? No. Okay, so how do you know what their rules mean? Well, if you I don't. file in the court and say that you never responded to the court case, and it's, it's showing that we did respond to the court case within 20 days, it's right there for anyone to see. 
That's a blatant law, a lie. Yeah, yeah. You got a Black's dictionary near nearby? Uh, yeah, I have Black's fourth right here. All right, open it up and tell me what it says right under the words Black's Law Dictionary. Okay, this is Black's Law Dictionary with Guide to Pronunciation from 1950. It says definition of the terms and phrases of American and English jurisprudence, ancient and modern. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Definition of what? Definitions of the terms and phrases. Okay, stop. Now, if you go to Webster's Dictionary, do you think it's going to say the same thing, or do you think it might say something along the lines of definition of words? Yeah. You know, a term, for instance, person, okay, is a term. It's not a word. It's a term in legalese. Okay. Now, now in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, when you see the word person, now you're talking about a different language. You're talking about a word. But when you're talking about legalese, when you're talking about the language of legal documents, that's what legalese is. It's been uh, legalese was the name given to the to the language of legal documents in 1914. So when you're looking at these, what you think is written in English, you're actually looking at terms and you're looking at phrases. Phrases are a series of terms all connected together. You're playing in, in, in a world where you think you understand what they're talking about, and you've got no idea, because they're using terms. They're not You're using right. words. That's all I know. I don't need to know anything else. I've never been compensated to know anything else. Bring the man forward who's going to verify the debt or give me back my house. And, and would you do that just in the continuing case? I would start with the continuing case, and I would I would... Uh, study cause material real hard and uh, use that existing case to to uh, learn how to apply notices, how to write notices, how to write things. Between now and then, you'll be writing letters to the attorneys, to the partners of the law firm, and to the man who's in charge of the bank or whoever it is that's you know that the attorneys are working for, because the the attorneys are moving on behalf of a fictitious character, or they're moving on on a on a claim that's not true, okay? Because they know they can't prove the debt, and right. the the bank is causing harm to a man for you know in the same way. So in one case it's vexatious litigation, and in the other case it's barratry. So you got to learn about all this stuff and start writing very polite letters. You know, hey, Bob, are you the man that I need to talk to to iron out you know, a couple of problems I've got with this case? You know, and, and you start getting names and you start letter writing. And, uh, you know, through this process of letter writing and dealing with the existing case and trying to reverse with the, the damage that's been done, you're going to get a lot of experience and that will get you ready to move a claim. Gus, would you would you also send would you would you send copies to the Secretary of State or to the uh, Attorney General at all of Florida or or not? It uh, depends what you're writing. It depends on uh, you know if you're making an allegation that you know at first I certainly would not absolutely no way not, right. at least not for two months until you've got some skills. Got you you got to learn you got to learn letter writing skills before you do that. Right. Letter writing is is an art. You got to understand words. You know, we don't even understand our own language yet. We go around thinking we understand legalese. Right. I mean, we're so far behind the eight ball, it ain't funny. First hearing day was in November. We went there. Uh, the the judge wasn't there. 
they they I guess tried to move underneath the administrative procedure and they tried to use like the court clerk and the assistant district attorney that was there and they tried to get Smuggler to consent by by pleading and he wouldn't do it. Uh, he he kind of didn't really know too much about what to do as far as paperwork wise, but yeah, I just told him what to say, what to do, and they didn't even let us like the bailiff didn't let me go into the hearing with with my brother. Had had he known a little bit more at the time, and I'd, I'd, I'd kind of go over with him a little more, I probably could have told him to, you know, well, require that, you know, his assistant, his aid and assistance of man be with him or, or something to that nature. So, um, you know, anyway, I was outside the building. He was inside. He ended up walking out the court saying, well, they, they, they reset it saying that I want legal counsel and uh you know that I, that i wouldn't plead he basically told them that they wouldn't plead they even threatened them at one time to uh if they doesn't plead they're going to put a warrant for his arrest he told them that's fine whatever y'all want to do but i'm not pleading and and i was kind of glad he actually did that when he walked out so i talked to him after he got out the hearing and he said well they reset it to another hearing so i said okay well we'll we'll, we'll try to deal with the next hearing and we're going to try not to even you know go to the hearing but so we went to the next hearing and then I was actually sitting down with him in front of this assistant DA, and they basically uh, they tried to do the same thing, you know, same same old spiel. Uh, you're charged with this. How do you plead? Do you understand? Yada yada. And we we, we ended up doing the same thing in December for that for that second hearing, and we 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 walked out not pleading to it, uh, not consenting, not giving jurisdiction. They didn't really ever challenge us on the, the person or the man or anything aspect of it because I, I didn't really kind of like try to go in that direction. I just wanted to say I'm a man or I, a man, and then that, I just left it alone after that in the notices. So anytime we, anytime we went to court in, or these hearings, we gave them a notice every time we walked to the, to the courtroom, like the court clerk, like where you check in or whatever. Yeah, I mean, just basic, uh, you know, we require the man or woman to appear before court testify under oath or affirmation, uh, you know, that uh, I wronged or harmed somebody or, or just the man or woman said man or woman, you know, advise the court that they don't have jurisdiction over us or him, require fair and just compensation for any interference with uh, my rights to, you know, access the common law, court of record, trial by jury. So, you know, at the end of the hearings, the DA, assistant DA, he tried to schedule a trial and he said, you know, we're going to do it in about, you know, we'll get a notice. And we got the notice for the trial, and it was for, you know, February something, and February 12th, I think. And then next thing you know, they, they all of a sudden out of the blue, we just kept falling online. And then out of the blue, they canceled the trial and motioned. I saw that the, um, the assistant DAs or somebody was motioning to transfer the, the case to another court. In another justice of the peace court, because that we were at, we were at originally at a justice of the peace court, and they transferred like like eight or six miles away from the the original jurisdiction where we thought there was jurisdiction, but they transferred it to another court, and we were we were wondering, well, why did they do that? And for the longest time, I thought, well, maybe they're just kind of like reviewing this paperwork and they don't know what to make out of it, and how to decipher it, or whatnot, which they probably didn't, because when I looked later into the case file after it was transferred to another court uh, without, and it said they transferred to another court with the justice of the peace and they put a new schedule, a new, another hearing when we wanted to go to trial. So we we're like, okay, so 
we're just like, well, we're just going to wait and see what they say. So we went and got an open records file on the case, and we looked at the, the, the notations or the motions and the orders from the judge. The case was transferred because they thought it was an issue with the jurisdiction lines for the precincts. So we said, okay, well, that's kind of weird, but why, why would they have us do all this over at this court? And then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, after we sent all this paperwork, now they want us to go somewhere else, some other court, like eight miles down, somewhere not even near city. But, you know, that's fine. So I said, okay, we'll just wait. We didn't have any uh, more paperwork that we sent to them other than just that, that the first two ones that we gave them at the hearing. And I, I even sent a letter to the judge at that time frame during, like, the first trial that we were trying to go through. I sent them a letter saying, you know, we're going to require the man or woman appear and the the party moving the case against us doesn't have jurisdiction over I. And it's just very basic. We didn't want we wanted the judge to see that we're not we know that the judge is not coming after us. It's the party on the other side. But that could be the that that might just been the case for this particular scenario. But it maybe the next time it'll be different if we ever get something that we have to fight. After after all that paperwork was done, very, very simple one or two page pieces of paper. Um, I wish I was a little bit shorter than what I put in there, but uh, I think they, they understood that we, we were we were a man and we, we knew what we were doing a little bit. Well, you know, but, what, one, uh, of the things, one of the things that I'm getting out of what you're saying is that you kept writing the judge and letting the judge know, look, here, I'm a man, I'm coming in as a man, and I want to see the man or the woman that, done, that I've done wrong, you know. And, and, and that's what it seems like, uh, you, you know, that you notice been going to the judges was all about, you know. Do you think that's that's pretty much on top of it? Yeah, that's basically what it was. We, I mean, I, I try to keep it very short and simple with the judge. I didn't want them to think that we were trying to go after the judge at all. But He got caught with his gun. Good guy. Didn't use it on nobody. Registered to him. They gave him a felony for for 18 months probation. What I'm trying to do is get uh, help him out and everybody else. How can he write letters to whomever, you know, because that's his contract. He signed it. He entered into a contract because of the lawyer, you know what I mean? He didn't right. know, and then at the time, I didn't know. I had just started listening to Carl, and then I was like, damn, I wish I knew that. There's another part to that because I know I heard you guys in the back say you don't want to go back to the beginning because that will put them back in jail. How can we renegotiate the terms and conditions? He also donated to Carl, too. All right, I, I got a friend, right, Mike? They charged him with uh, an aggravated UUW in which he never used his gun. So they charged him with, like, a felony for. Guy never been in trouble, no background or anything. Um Gun registered to him. Only thing he didn't have is a carry and conceal license that's required in the city. So he didn't have that. But the gun, you know, was in his trunk, locked up where it's supposed to be. Police took it upon themselves to search his car and get the gun out. Good guy. He he wants to know how can he renegotiate the terms and conditions to get off that probation and felony for. And I had another question. They gave him, like, court fines and fees, like $695. And then they had another fee on there for, like, $900. But he said when he talked to the probation officer, it's not in their system that he's supposed to pay that $900. And 
And he said the lady at the court also told him, they don't know why they put that on there. She told him to forget about it, just pay the six ninety five. So I don't know anything about that. But his probation officer also said that it's not even in the system for him to even pay $900. And I guess that's like a probation cost, something like that. But, yeah, he wants to know, you know, how can he get on the groups to learn the letter writing, who he needs to write, and how can he renegotiate the terms and conditions of that contract because he created it. That's what I heard you guys say. Well, it sounds to me like the police were the ones that brought the uh, the property out into the public. I would say he was acting as a man who wasn't operating under a license at the time, so nobody really had any right or authority to interfere. The bail conditions, he probably doesn't want to rescind it, but maybe renegotiate. Maybe at one time he believed it would be a benefit Mm-hmm. However, uh, certain terms and conditions cause harm, yeah. and it just strikes some of the conditions out. And like the felony for because it can cause him harm now and in the future. I don't know if he, he can't really rescind a charge. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Can he do that? I would think letter writing to the man acting as prosecutor. Yeah, how long does he have till next court date? No, he's actually on 18-month probation. Oh, so court's already over with. Yeah. So he made a plea. That was his plea. Yeah, he took a plea deal because he didn't know. He, he was going on with, with a, a lawyer who, who wasn't even a criminal defense lawyer. She was some real estate lawyer. You know that's a that's a that's a game changer when you take a plea. Cause I, the last plea that I saw, the young lady took a plea, and in her plea she was guilty of everything. And then they tell you you can't rescind your plea in the plea, and only thing you can do is modify it. And in order to modify your plea, you know that you that you agreed to, you'd have to have a lawyer to do that. You know. So uh, they really they really stick you with these pleas and like you said and and put these fees and fines on you know. As a side note, Larry, I mean I I didn't realize they put that kind of language in a plea agreement. I haven't read one in years, but uh, would you agree that that language is legalese and that you know you didn't understand what you were signing? Oh, without a doubt, yes it is. Yeah, just wanted to get that out there. You might also write to the court about the. Uh, you know, there was an inadvertent uh, error, inadvertent mistake on the court where, uh, no, you know, there's no man that came forward to claim there was harm, injury, or loss, and therefore no crime was done. So, you know, you can do it. Some people call that a void judgment, and they've got all sorts of... Uh, I haven't looked into the void judgment stuff enough to know it, on the basis that no man came forward to claim a harm, injury, or loss, you're you're accusing me of violating a statute. Yeah, he, I, I spoke with him a few times. He, he sounded like a really nice man, and he and he helps out the hundred uh, flutes children, correct? Oh yeah. He, he, yeah. he when he was going through all that, he was you know donating and he does a lot of that community service, man, and good guy, man. His plea deal 
should have nothing to do with his probation or his bail. Well, I guess his his probation, yes, but his bail conditions, it shouldn't make any difference for his bail conditions. Because his bail conditions, I'm guessing, are just kind of ordering him to show up to court, right? Yeah, but he, he says he don't even have to see the probation officer anymore. He, he mails in, like, you know how you have to go every month? The probation officer like, your case so, you know, light that all you have to do is you can mail in yourself. My homeboy just called me because I have a property in New York, and, like, they had got a lien on it about a year ago, and he just told me some guy was knocking on my door that the, the – I'm in Colorado right now, and my house is in New York, and he was like, uh, I got 90 days. The guy that knocked on my door, which my boy didn't get no name, no nothing, but I know the letter. I know what he's talking about because I got a letter from the last year. So he was saying I got 90 days until the city forecloses on it, and I'm like, uh, and who sent it to you? Some company named Intact Services. They didn't put a name on it. What does the letter say? That I owe them like $39,000 for a lien that they bought for my property because my property's lien was like thirty. Okay, so... Because I didn't okay. pay my property taxes. So 90 days to do what? To pay them back or to pay the yeah. city back? or To pay the city back, yeah. All right. And, and is that specifically spelled out in the letter? He told me the guy knocked on my door. I guess he was a representative of the city or whatever. Did they purchase your property tax debt and now they're charging yes. you for the property taxes plus interest? Yes. And if you don't pay them by a certain amount of time, they're going to take possession of the property? Yes. They just sent a letter. They didn't follow no suits or nothing. When's your 90 days run out? When's your time limit run? June. About June this year. Yeah, you're going to write to the county treasurer. You're going to let them know, hey, I'm in Colorado. I didn't know what was going on. I want to remedy this as soon as possible. What you know? What do you require of me? Now, that, that would be a great first letter to start with to let them know that, that you didn't abandon the property. First of all, you want to answer every last one of them you get. Second thing you want to do is you want to make sure you find out who sent you the paperwork. It's got to be a man or woman that sent you the paperwork. That's the first thing you look for. Now, if you don't have a, a name of a man or woman on there, you call a 1-800 number, you look at whatever the file that's on that piece of paper, the, the account number, and you call and you ask... Uh, in this particular file. And whoever had that file, you get the man or woman's name. Now you got a name. Then you got someone you can write your letters and talk to. So you're going to have to sure. always find all these presentments, find out who is the man or woman that's writing you this paper that's saying they're, they're uh, leaning you up, or you know, because it's not the fictitious entity, the, uh, the state of Georgia, the state of, of California. It's got to be a man or woman. So always look up and try to figure out who the man or woman you're speaking to. Then when you come on the call, you're talking about the man or woman that sent you a piece of paper that's causing you harm as a man. Johnny, the one that wrote this piece of paper to me, you know, and then you're talking about taking it from there, taking another step, and your writing, your letter writing campaign is the best way to start. Yeah, you just send a regular letter because if they don't answer you within, you know, 10 days, you're going to write them another letter, you know, saying, hey, Bob, I sent you a letter 10 days ago. You haven't responded yet. I thought this was important to you. I've attached a copy of that first letter for your convenience, and I hope to hear from you soon. 
if they don't answer that, you send them another letter. So, Bob, I've written you twice, and now I'm copying your boss because I'm not getting a response, and I really want to get this out of my life and move on and resolve, you know, settle whatever issue's going on. So you don't have to do any special kind of mailing because you're going to be mailing these guys over and over and over again, and you're going to reference every one of those letters that you wrote. And the best thing he can do is... Dear John, sorry I didn't respond to your first letter. It must have got lost someplace. But I'm in I'm in possession of your third letter, and uh, yeah, this is what's going on. You know, so eventually they're going to answer you because you're going to have him and his boss and his boss's boss involved. You know, all you know this man and this woman. So don't worry about you know special mailing and certified. And at some point in time, you're going to end up sending a fair warning letter saying, look, I've communicated with you, we've talked about this, I've explained to you how this is causing me harm, and I'm requiring you to cease and desist. And when you send that kind of a letter out, that's when you have it served by a process server, not by the sheriff, but by a man who does this as a profession. And you have them served by Jack, the man who serves process, and Jack is going to serve Bob, another man who acts as a bill collector or as a county treasurer or whatever position he's in. So you're going to have him served man-to-man so that when you file your claim later, you can bring the man in and say, look, that man was served with this paper. So, But that's, you know, that's way down the road. Okay, I got a question about when you send notice to, uh, or when you send a question to superior court uh, judges and requesting information, and they don't respond to you, or if you send a letter to the attorney general and they don't respond to you, well, they do. They do send a letter back by their secretary that says it's inappropriate to contact them, and that any mail you send further will be returned. How do you address that issue? I'm attempting to file a, a claim in a in a common law court, but they insist that you follow their rules on their forms and all that kind of stuff. So some of the questions were, like, if I don't understand legalese and I fill and I fill out the form, it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't understand it, so it's, I'm putting it in words that I that I would not understand, and I wish to file my own claim but they refused to file the claim. So I said, is there a law that says I cannot file a claim unless I use their legal system, hire a lawyer, or follow their forms? And I don't get a response, I don't get a reply to those answers. Yeah, the the minute you put inside in your claim, you know, they have their cover page, then there's the page where you put your cause of action, your claim, when you write something like a claim is trespass, they automatically do not take it because a trespass is a is a different apparently it's supposed to go to a different court. When you go to the court, there's a wicket for criminal claims, there's a wicket for for civil claims, there's one for small claims, and there's one for family court. Exactly. You go to small claims, you fill out their paperwork exactly like they want. And when you put on the paper, you say you're claiming uh, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't, you don't fill out the whole paperwork. You just attach their form to what you have, and your claim is is all filled out. And you're just attaching their paper yes. on top of yours for ease of filing. And you yes. could put and like my, my paperwork is not part of their forms. 
So when it's attached to it, it's not accepted. They can't. They can't not accept it. They do. The clerk looks at it and says, "These papers are not part of our forms, and we will well, not why, accept your claim." Why are you going in and talking face to face with these people? They won't accept them through the mail. It's sent back. What do you mean? They're refusing federal mail. The well, in this court, I haven't heard back from, but the other court. They'll sign for it, but they, but it sits unopened. Okay, so they got it. They did get it, yes. So the new courthouse, what's going on with the new courthouse? The new courthouse, I haven't heard back from them yet. Yeah, the court clerk that I spoke to when I went to file the claim and actually physically file it, she said that they won't accept the documents because it's not on the proper pick forms. The did you tell her to put that in writing? I did tell her to put it in writing. And then did you tell her boss to put it in writing? Then I sent a letter to her boss to put it in writing. Okay, you told her to put it in writing and she didn't. Why didn't you tell her boss to put it in writing? I did. I thought you said you wrote a letter to the boss. He wasn't there. So I wrote him a letter to put it in writing. In a different courthouse. From, From listening to Carl... He says, file the paperwork as they want it filed. Then, when you send the paperwork out for uh, as a summons, modify it to, to fit your needs. Send it summons once it's been served, and you get all that back. File that into court. Now you've completely changed the case into your case. When the case gets filed, I believe the cover sheet goes away and you can amend your case all you want as long as the other party has not been served. And if the other party has been served, then you need their permission to amend. That's right. So you amend it You amend it prior to sending that out prior to service serving. to the other party. And then once they get the summons and the service, You've already modified it and everything. They're looking at the modified thing before it goes back into the court. And there's also the option of having the attorney general's office on speed dial. And as soon as she says no, call up the attorney general's office and just say, yeah, my name's Dave. I'm in the courthouse. I'm trying to file a claim. And hold on a second. Excuse me, ma'am. What's your name? Susie? Okay, thanks. Susie is uh, taking it upon herself to interfere with my right to access the court and just get somebody from her boss's office to give her a good earful. And then every time you go to that courthouse, you can go and talk to her because she's not going to mess around anymore. Hey, did Dave ever write to uh, the Board of Health inspector or whoever he was dealing with the last time we talked about this? That was one of the, one of the suggestions. I'm wondering if he's done that. I sent him a good letter today. I don't think he likes it, though. Yeah, you know what I don't like is that Mike was able to say it in a lot less words than I did. I say uh, apologize if he offended him, ask for forgiveness and ask for a bill so he can compensate him. And now he's not an injured party. There is no debt. 
he's been forgiven all as well. Now who's who's the next guy? Like somebody else got a complaint, somebody got a claim. Who's next? Hey, um, I was on a call uh, Wednesday night with Gus. Uh, it was uh, with uh, I had a, a friend on who's having some uh, child custody issues here in Illinois. She she had talked uh, with Gus. Her son has some um, um, some illnesses that he had to be taken care of. Um, they're residents of Missouri. Uh, I guess it was recommended that he come to Illinois, or she wanted to come to Illinois to get um, some some medical attention done. Uh, when she got to Illinois, uh, there were some differences of opinions between doctors and the Children's Hospital here in Chicago decided to um, involve uh, Illinois Child Protection Services. That being said, they ended up uh, taking custody away from her. Uh, initially, they they violated their own processes of, of a 48-hour um, court order. Since then, they've had another hearing in which now they have awarded custody of her son to themselves, the state of Illinois, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's until he's 21 years old. Uh, this kid has been put through all kinds of hell. He has been sexually molested. His medical condition isn't getting any better. Uh, it's it's similar to the Justine Pelletier case that happened in Boston, except this far this time the state of Illinois went and granted themselves him be awarded their custody until he's 21. They're residents of, of Missouri, but Illinois still came in and interfered with her business. So, The bottom line, you, you're looking at this as fraud, as mafia, uh, and the state of Illinois looks at this as uh, they're administering the property of the state in the best way possible to maximize funding from the federal government, to maximize, uh, you know, certain things. I mean, they're doing, and believe it or not, they actually believe they're doing the right thing. And when you sign documents, you enter contracts. And based on those contracts, they do what, you know, what that system was designed to do or what they believe the system was designed to do. And until that paperwork is corrected, where you let them know, hey, I thought this was going to be a benefit. I realize now this is not what I thought it was. I rescind. I revoke. I, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that you're going to uh, be involved with. And you're going to need somebody like Carl, who's got that kind of expertise, to really get you through it. Because your, you know, your son does have a lot of medical issues, and you do have a lot going on. So, yeah, it's definitely understandable that you're not going to get through this by yourself. You don't have any ties to Illinois. You know, we just simply went there so my son could have a surgery. And all of this has happened. And one of the attorneys has said, you know, the judge is making very um, clear signals that it's either his way or the highway. And everything that we're doing, he's, he's knocking down, he's, talking with other judges, and I mean, he talked with the other judge in Missouri and somehow convinced him whether it was he paid him off or threatened him. I have no idea. He has ties to 
other political parties who have spent time in prison. I mean, this is, you know, nothing new to anyone. There's a lot of corruption in especially the city of Chicago. I told the bank they had to submit a statement of fact to the court. It required the bank to put a statement of fact that they actually own the property. What was Carl's advice to the man that was going through the foreclosure to tell the bank? Require the bank to enter a statement of fact that they own the property. That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And it doesn't get any simpler than that. If you know you're going through a foreclosure, you have to challenge them. Who are you to say you have rights to my property? And that's the same with the gal with her son. She's got to go in there with that mentality. And now you know that, that you're a man of God. And that society just doesn't, it doesn't play on your side. But uh, I guess the, the next will be to talk to the prosecuting attorney and just say if I've done anything wrong. Um, I think I heard something else, which would be pretty interesting, too, is to uh, write a letter to the uh, police department, the, to the police officer, and say, is there any debt that I owe to you? Not the man, just to the officer, and say, is there a debt that I owe? So then you take that into court and say, well, no, there's no debt. So you would settled on the private side. They say there's no debt. So where's this debt going to? Who Who's going to keep pushing this debt? You can even write to the man. You can say, oh, I'm writing to the man, and I'm writing, you know, write a letter to the man, write a letter to the, the officer. Is there a debt that I owe to you? Both of them are going to write back and say no. They pushed it on to somebody else. So now it's the prosecuting attorney that's going to be trying to push this. Uh, he has no first-hand personal knowledge about anything that happened. He doesn't know whether I harmed, harmed or gave loss or had injury to any other man or woman. The only thing I have is a, a, a witness, which would be the police officer, saying that I did something, but what I did was an infraction to their code. In the small claims, you're already in a court of record, so it's, I'm not uh, filing any paperwork with the paperwork. So I just use the court forms, file the simple small claims that, that you know somebody's conveying threats, they're stalking, harassing. And uh, it was it was that simple to just uh, you know fill out the court form. You can get them online. At least in California, you can. They have court forms, and you just find whichever document you want. You fill it out, print it out, sign it, and then you make yourself a copy. You know, sign it, and then make a copy of the signature, and then that's what you give to the clerk. And so uh, she stamps them and. She keeps a copy and gives you a copy, and that's what you're supposed to serve on the other side with your proof of service. So it went pretty easy, and it was nice to actually get in there and, and do it because I had been shot down a few times. <laughs> I didn't quite understand venue, and now I understand it a lot better. And I just I didn't understand that some courts were allowed to hear certain things and some courts weren't. So now I have a much better understanding of <clears throat> when you're filing a certain claim, uh, it has to be in a certain courthouse. I literally have three different, uh, hang on one second here, three different claims in three different courthouses because that's how they have to file. One's going to be in Santa Monica, one will be in downtown, and one will be in Eaglewood. So 
it wasn't my choice. It was just pertaining to what was happening and how I had to react. That's the courthouse I had to go to. And that is a venue. Yeah, learning this process and under, having an understanding that the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they apply to them. Okay, this does not give us our rights. It protects our God-given rights. And our forefathers knew this, and they put it down, and I feel like they did a pretty good job. But we didn't understand, at least I didn't understand it. And now that you learn this, that uh, these people are upholding the oath of the Constitution, they're upheld to protect man and property. It kind of gives you a, a better sense of holding them liable to what the hell comes out of their mouth. I wanted to ask about, um, they were talking about uh, command and demand. I noticed in one of my hearings, uh, the judge says, uh, uh, when I said, is that your wish, is that your order? He said, no, that's my command, uh, as opposed to demand. I was wondering if any guys, anybody had any input as to what that might mean. There's a difference between commandment and the word command. And the word command can be used as a verb, which means to order, or it can be used as a noun, which is a little bit different. So you got to study the etymology of the word. Well, I just can you get an order and put it in writing. I have no clue yeah. what a command is. Yeah, and that's the simple way out. It's just, uh, sorry, I just don't understand what a command is. Do you mean an order? Is that your wish? Uh, you know, and, and if he says, no, I command you. So, okay, can you command me on paper so I can execute your uh, your command properly? Yeah, command me in writing and I'll carry out your order. I command you to write that command in writing. Uh, man requires by authority and as as of right. Okay, I have a right to have whatever you wish of me clearly written in language that I understand. Don't order me in Cantonese or in Japanese or some other language. You, If you wish something of me, put it in writing, in English, in a form that I can understand. If I don't understand it, I'm going to let you know I don't understand it. I'm going to give you notice that I have no idea what this really means. Could you please put it in common English? So, you know, you got to you got to start by getting it in writing. Whatever it is, whatever they give you, you got to get it in writing before uh before you can ask for clarification or require clarification. Yeah, you know, before you move forward in any way, you you got to have it in writing. You know, if if, if you uh if you go to the clerk and say, I'm not sure, you know, what this means, you know, the judge gave me an order in the court, uh, you know, the clerk's going to say, well, you know what the judge meant by that. He says, no, I don't understand. I'm serious. I, I, I require this in writing, you know, because sometimes they'll give you an order in court and it escapes you because you get caught up in other things. Well, you just go to the clerk and say, look, the judge ordered something, uh, in, you know, in the hearing and, I, I require the order in writing so I can understand it fully. For instance, I was in a hearing where the judge ordered that uh, somebody do a financial affidavit before they left the building. This woman was, you know, was questioning, you know, do I have to do this? I said, not until you get it in writing. I said, go to the clerk's window and tell them you need it in writing. You need to fully understand what the order is. You know, when is it due? Is it due today? Uh, before the end of days, it do 
you know, can I, you know, how are you supposed to do a financial affidavit before you leave the building when you don't have any of your information with you? I didn't bring my financial reports. I don't know what my checking accounts got. Maybe there was another seven or eight cents that was deposited in as interest, you know, overnight. So since the last time I looked, I, I don't know what's going on with my account. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to swear anything to the penny. So, you know, you, you need it in writing. Well, I'm, I'm under the I'm under uh, the the, the notion that a public servant can't give a command; they can only give orders anyway. Uh, you know, I've looked up your authority, and it doesn't exist. Yeah, so you give them notice afterwards, but you you got to get something in writing before you do anything else. Well, what's he doing? Jumping to commands already? Shouldn't he worry about getting jurisdiction first? Right. Yeah. Who's the public servant? You know, so how you you know public servant giving giving the commands, I mean, you know, so yeah, that's that's crazy. But we can almost assume that's what we're going to be hearing since they know when you're asking for orders that they know what that means. So we need you definitely need to uh, consider the fact that when you hear the word command or demand, you need to be able to let them know, hey, who's the public servant, or uh, hey. You know, uh, put it in writing and then put it in the form of an order, you know, so. Oh, man, it's words, it's, it's, it's the form of communication. This is how you communicate. So in order to communicate, you have to understand what, uh, first of all, what you're saying, the words you're using. That's why you have to study your words and uh, what the other side is using because uh, everybody knows, well, not everybody, but you can't interpret uh, what someone else is meaning by the words that they're using. So when someone comes at you in a certain way, I mean, I can't sit there and I'm not going to be stupid enough to sit there and try to interpret and assume that they mean something when I have no clue what they're, what they're trying to say, what they mean. So, yeah, the number one thing is, is the language. It's all the language. And this is where all the trickery comes in is through the language. So they, they're word nerds. They study language. They study the, the law of... Uh, the uh, the law of documents. So that legalese is very powerful because they use it against everybody and nobody knows that it's being used against them. It's like a silent weapon for a quiet war, if you want to call it that. But that's what it is. It's all about language. So if you get your language right, that's half the battle. The other half is knowing how to act, uh, you know, with your, uh, your actions that come with those words, how to act uh, like a man. Um, you know, just how to act yourself. Uh, it's not anything that's, you know, it's, that's rehearsed or anything like that. It just got to be natural. It got to come from within your soul, man. You know, it's something you can't really explain. You just have to, once you get past that point of, uh, get to that point of learning so much stuff, it just comes natural. You know, it just shoots out like a machine gun, man. It doesn't, it's not difficult at all. You know how to handle every situation. But, you know, it takes time. It takes time and experience. And, um, you know, after a while, you know, after you're talking about it so much, teaching it so much, and doing it and stuff like that, it just, it's, it's part of you, man. It's, it's encoded in your DNA. That's what all you're trying to do is, man, is you got to, you know, people got to learn how to uh, uh, reprogram their DNA and encode all this stuff into their DNA, man, because right now it's some garbage that's been encoded by them through all this doctrination and stuff, and, um, you know, they got to snap out of that, you know. They're in a zone right now. They're in Alice in Wonderland. So as soon as they click their heels, you know, they can come out of that Alice in Wonderland don't know how to be a man and how to act like one and how to treat everybody else like one as well, you know, not just yourself. You know, you got to know how to act like a man and you got to know how to treat others like 
man and daughter of mankind. A lot of people don't know that. They don't know how to learn that stuff. They don't know how to act in the right capacity. That's what these shows were created for. Carl, Gus, Mike, me, Barry, a whole bunch of other people. This is what we're all here together tonight, is to learn these kind of things. And, um, you know, everybody's seeking the truth, man, and this is the truth. You know, this is the way. This is, you know, it was already paved. Nobody had to uh, uh, try to discover a, a new method or a new way, you know, to, to try to see how they're going to beat this or how they're going to, uh, you know, play this game. It's already there, you know. It's already set up. You don't have to uh, create new steps. So all you got to do is learn, educate yourself, you know. Uh, don't let it, don't ever let that uh, public fooling system interfere with your education. You know, all that stuff there is just for, you know, keep you distracted from stuff. Um, they teach you how to be, you know, legal, the legal uh, society took over the uh, Department of Education. So they run everything. So it's all their curriculum. So, of course, they're going to teach you how to be a person, a citizen. Uh, you know, go get a job, go get a degree, go to college, join the workforce, you know, get on the plantation, basically. That's what, you know, join the force, in you know, the workforce. Who's the workforce? All the persons and U.S. citizens that they created, um, they play under their rules. It's, uh, it's, all, you know, it's all a play. That's why they want you to appear in your costume and speak for your mask, um, like you're some kind of a character, you know, in an opera or some kind of a play. Um, so that's all it is. So... They're banking on the fact that, hey, you know what, it's not our job to teach them that there's a play going on, that they can put on their costume and jump in and out of their costume whenever they want. Uh, you, know, you know, it's not our job to teach them that. So it's out there. Hey, if they don't know it, they don't know it. So that's what it is, man. Every time somebody goes into court, they're just they're confessing, just like our Carl was saying, man. They're confessing to be like uh, the demons to be exercised out of them, you know. And the judges and stuff, they're laughing, like how it's so easy. How Look how these people are so easily fooled. Well, that's, you know, what it comes down to, man. You got you to gotta know uh, how to act in your capacity. You, you, you know, you have every, every, man has a, every man has dual capacity. Capacity as a man and capacity as a person. In order for you to operate in commerce, you have to operate through a person because, you know, the life, the life can't deal, have dealings with the fiction, with the debt. So... You know, the legal society, that's a fiction. That's a land of the dead. Uh, so literally, you know, these persons are zombies. They're trying to come out with all these zombie theories and all this kind of, oh, we're going to be invaded by zombies. What would happen? Well, <laughs> these are the zombies that they're talking about, is these persons and, um, you know, U.S. citizens. Uh, I don't understand anything they're saying because they're speaking legalese. Just like if I stepped into any kind of a court and somebody comes in there speaking Chinese, I don't know what they're saying. I don't have no idea. Uh, when I know they're speaking like a man is when they start using simple words like a man, which you will never hear them. It'll always be us, and it'll always be in, in the form of a writing, part of a note, form of a notice. So once you uh, get into any kind of court, you put your notice in as a man. You're bringing in your jurisdiction and your capacity as a man. And uh, you're basically you're breaking assumption, uh, uh, their assumption that uh, you're operating under that person, which then falls under their jurisdiction and uh, ends up in an administrative hearing. And these administrative hearings are hearings for employees of a corporation that violated one of their codes. Like, for example, if you're working for McDonald's, and they say, okay, on Tuesdays you've got to wear blue shirts, and Fridays you've got to wear red shirts. Well, Tuesday you wore a white shirt, and all of a sudden they wrote you up. You know, the little police patrol or whatever you want to call them came by and said, hey, uh, you know, you violated a code. You're not supposed to be wearing a white shirt, so you're wearing a blue shirt today. 
right to up, and now you got to go see the higher up. That's where the administrative hearing to decide what your uh, penalty, you know, what the penalty or what the fine is going to be. So you want to stay out of their administrative hearings. By how? Acting in your capacity as a man. And you put in your notice. So once you put in your notice, everything they say, it's basically you don't understand it. And they got to answer you back in writing or the man has to appear. Uh, an injured party has to appear. So the, the main thing is once you put in your notice, no matter what kind of a hearing that you're in summons to or Remember, they're, they're inviting you, some is in an invitation. Their invitation, they're sending you an invitation to attend their play. There's a play going on. It, you know, they want to send you uh, an invitation to appear in person, which is appear in your costume. Like I was saying before, everybody appears in their costume. The judge, he's wearing his costume, prosecutor, bailiff, all that stuff. They're all wearing their costumes. So what you want to do is you walk in there as a man, basically, and the only way that anyone can commun communicate with you is they got to take off their costume. Well, the thing is, if they take off their costume, they're going to be held personally liable. It's like a hot potato. Nobody wants to end up with the potato, so everybody wants to pass it along. All right, so what are you doing when you write a notice? You're saying, so basically you're telling the judge, oh, you want the potato? The judge is going to tell his prosecutor, our oh, prosecutor, is there an injured party here? He's going to pass, pass the potato to him. Prosecutors aren't going to want the potato, so what's going to happen? Somebody's going to drop the potato, and guess what? You're going to win, and you're going to be let alone, and you're going to walk away from there because uh, you, you stood your ground, and you, had, you remained in your jurisdiction. You didn't let them suck you in by using legalese and uh, all kind of words to try to trick you back into their – because, see, they're, they're, anytime when you go into their, to any kind of a court, they're trying to test you. I mean, they're going to 100 percent they're going to test you, so they want to see if you're made of metal or tin. So they're going to test you. They're going to try to suck you back in. They're going to want to make sure that you didn't just hear something off the Internet or pick something off of, off of YouTube and stuff, and you're trying to use something just to get out of a traffic ticket. Okay, well, well, any order that a judge gives, it has to be, he has to put it in an order. He has to put it in writing. What I'm trying to say is even a command is the same thing as a demand. It's the same thing as an order. He's ordering me. Okay, you're demanding me, order me, fine, whatever you want to call it, rainbow ponies, whatever it is. I'm taking it as a form of an order. Well, whatever he's demanding or commanding, he has to put it in writing. Like a final decision, a final judgment, or order, whatever, however he words it, it's an order. So go ahead and, and sign it and put your name on the order. Like you said, just in case you need some kind of appeal or you want to do something, uh, well, I need, you, I need your decision in writing. You can't just say hocus pocus and boom. You know, somebody's going to say, yeah, the judge said this. How do you know he said that? The judge can say, no, I didn't say that. I didn't command him. I didn't say that. He's, he's delusional. I didn't say anything like that. You need to have it in writing. He had to put it in writing. And like you said, you can get it from the clerk and have her, have her okay, the, this is what the judge commanded, put his commands. I don't know, he's Moses. I thought I, he wants to be a judge. He's wearing a black robe with a white wig. He kind of looks like Moses. He's saying commanding. I don't know, Mr. Ten Commandments, what is he talking about? I don't know what he means by commandments. What is that, a commandment? The Bible? What is he saying? I, I'm confused. Put it in writing so that way I can fulfill his wish in order because I need to study it. He can't just say something. Put it in writing so I can take it home with me, study it and learning so I can fulfill his command. If he's commanding me, I want to know exactly what he's commanding and how I can respond to the command so I need to study it and learn it so that way I can answer it in a proper way. So he can't, like I said, he can't just say hocus pocus because that doesn't stand up anywhere. So the last thing before I started listening to Carl was Jack Bauer. So all of a sudden Carl got his show. Then I was like, okay, you know, this guy sounds like a good guy every time he comes on the show on Jack's call. You know, I like the way this guy comes. I like his style, you know. 
And um, I've never heard anyone come so blunt like that and just so straight to the point. And that's what attracted me to this because, man, you don't need all this complicated bullshit that they designed on purpose to send you around chasing your tail in a tailspin, chase, chasing codes and codes and codes. That's why they're codes. They're laughing at everybody. This guy, he perfects the codes and sends in the paperwork, boom, they flip all the codes on him and they'll laugh. It's a game. It's, it's funny to them. They're like, oh, look at these. Oh, good oh, citizens, look, they want to be attorneys, they want to be lawyers, look, they want to study code, they want to study all the codes. There's a lot of people that know the codes better than the code writers. One person that I know that knows the codes inside and out is Rod Class. But the thing with Rod Class is Rod Class, he's stuck in the legal society. He wants to fight them in their world, in their legal society, when all he has to do is step out of that world to step into a man, take off the costume, and pull whoever's bring in a claim against him, strip him out of his costume and tell him, come stand next to me on this side and we'll go to man to man. He's not doing that. He wants to fight him on their side of the fence. He's not going to win on their side of the fence, no matter what he does, because he's not designed to win if you're taking the, the, the title as defendant. If you're accepting the title as defendant, then you're going to lose or you're going to break even, you're not going to win. So like Carl was saying before, why would you want to get involved in a game where the most you can do is break even? Like, okay, what if I lose? You know, that's big of a risk. So I'd rather stay on this side of the fence. So Carl showed that way, and he paved that way. I listened to a whole bunch of uh, Bill Thornton, and Bill Thornton was the last one that I said, okay, well, this guy knows his shit about the law. This guy's on the right path. But with, the, with Bill Thornton, he doesn't have it all the way. It's not 100% complete. You know, he might have it, um, I think what Gus was saying before, 85% complete, 75% complete, but it's not all complete. Carl comes in and fills in all those gaps. And makes it simple. Uh, Bill gets into the bone of things. That's how he is. He's like real into it. You know, he studies it real hard. He gets into the bone of it. Um, Carl keeps it very simple. That you don't even have to get all the way to the bone of it. All you got to do is carry yourself this way, say these kind of words, use these kind of words, don't use these type of words, and you'll be fine. But the thing is, you can't do that. It's not a script. For them, it's a script, the legal society. They read scripts. For us, it's live. It's reality. So you, you don't have a script to read off of. So all this stuff got to be, you have to learn this stuff so well that it's in, you encode it into your DNA. So now you're, it's programmed into your DNA where now it just it flows naturally and freely. You know how to carry yourself. You know the words to use and what not to use and how if anyone comes to you, it's like someone Chinese coming to you. Who? Huh? What? What did you say? What? Uh, operating a motor vehicle. What is that? Uh, chop suey? I don't know what you're saying. I'm not going to sit there and hold the liability to assume that I know what you're saying. You tell me what you're saying. I don't, you, you, you're coming to contract with me. You're coming to talk to me. You know, you're, making, you're making a contact with me. So obviously, either you're coming to tell me that I caused you a harm or you're, you want to contract with me. You want to do some kind of a business with me. So, okay, what's going on here? We need to get clarification. Are you trying to do business with me? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, well, did I cause you harm? Well, no, I didn't. So what are you here for? Codes, this that codes. I, I don't play that code, code game. So that's all it is. Once people learn it real well, it comes naturally. And you know what to say. You know how to react. You know what not to say. You just know how to carry yourself on in life through man. It's like the day you find out exactly how to uh, process all this stuff and learn it, the day is, is the day you step out of your shell and you start a new path in life. Now you know, okay, there's my shell. There's my costume. Well, you know what? Let me go ahead and pick it up. Now I know how to use the costume. All it is is mastering how to use the costume, how to use the person, take it on and off. 
there's no law that says that you always have to be wearing your costume. You always have to come out in your costume. There's no law that says you, you always, for the entire duration of your life, you always have to be operating on the capacity of a person or a citizen or a pony or a, a light switch. doesn't matter. Any fictional things. So they create it for your benefit. Man created the government to, to, to secure and protect his property. So they created it for his benefit. So at any time, if you want to lower yourself to the status of a citizen, because a citizen is it's on the bottom of the uh, ladder, well, the man, God is on the top, man is second, then the government is underneath. Government creates corporations. They're all the way on the bottom. So at any, you have dual capacity. You can either be number two on the hierarchy of law and power, uh, or you can be down in number eight or seven, which is all the way on the bottom. The hierarchy of law and power consists of God is first, man is second, uh, local government third, state government fourth, uh, I'm sorry, county government fourth, state government fifth, federal government uh, sixth, and I think they created the, uh, in 1871, they created District, District of Columbia. So that's down there, and they created the uh, U.S. Per, the U.S. person through the 14th Amendment in 1868, and that's all the way on the bottom. So the person is the creation of the federal government, which is their creation of the state uh, from the county to the city and so on and so on, back to man. So man is number two on the top. These are his creations. The creation does not have any authority or jurisdiction over his creator, just like how we can't tell God what to do. He created us. It would be silly of us. Same thing as them. But the trick is they created this person on the bottom and said, okay, when you want to engage in commerce, here, use this on the bottom because you need a person. We'll create it for you, and here, you use it. I didn't create it. They created it, but they gave it to me to use it. Okay, I'll use it anytime when it's a benefit. They can't force me to use it because, remember, 13th Amendment, involuntary servitude and slavery is prohibited. So there is no slavery. So that means everything has to be done by the consent of the people. So it has to be done by your consent. At any time, you can withdraw your consent. How? There is no magic documents or forms or bullets. It's so simple. You know how you do that? Simple. I'm not a citizen. I am a citizen. I'm not a citizen anymore. That's how simple it is. There's no magic bullet. There's no documents you need to submit. You don't have to cancel your birth certificate, cancel, rescind your uh, Social Security, rescind your patent. You don't have to do none of that stuff. It's given to you for a benefit. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. You just got to know how to jump in and out of it when it's a benefit and when it's going to cause you a harm. So we're all brought here for a reason, and it's because we're seeking the truth. And like it says in the Bible, the truth shall set you free. You're going to need this for the rest of your life, and you need to pass this baton on to your future generation's kids and their kids. See, we were never taught this by our parents because for whatever reason, they were going through whatever they were going through. So somewhere down the line, I'd say around uh, 1933-ish, someone dropped the ball, and society started changing generation after generation where nobody knows the law anymore. Nobody knows how to uh, act as, in their capacity as a man and, uh, and a U.S. citizen. Back then, everybody knew the law. But what, they've been, everybody's been dumbed down so much, uh, that's why the legal society took over the uh, Department of Education. Look, they changed the curriculum. Now they came out with Common Core. They took civics out. They, they stopped t- teaching people about what it means to be a man and one of the people and, and their relationship between the government and their public servants and your, your rights and your property. This was the, whole, the, the reason why this country was founded, to secure and protect property. How come they're not teaching this? The main number one it's thing, right. it's like a little notice of, what it is, it's, uh, I don't know if I want to include it like this uh, dash cam that, was, that um, I have that I use. Um, anytime when I get pulled over, I just turn it on 
I start recording, and I know what it says, uh, you know, this, uh, this event is being recorded. And it has a few other things on there, basically putting the cop on notice. So anything he, when he asks you for a driver's license or whatever, you don't know what he's saying. You just, he's talking Chinese, you don't know what he's saying. So you just uh, give him that notice, and he's going to look at it real quick. And now whether he want to read it or not, that's on him. He's, you, you gave him a notice, and he, he's on film. So you gave him a notice. And it says notice, so if he reads it, it's for his benefit because what he would end up doing, the best thing that for everybody for him to do was to hand that right back, back to you until you have a, have a nice day. Uh, he's not going to want to get into any kind of stuff. So, uh, but if he doesn't read it and if he uh, says, I need your driver's license, you don't even have to ask him, is it an order, is it your wish, or anything, because it's already in the notice. So it's basically saying after you're being served this notice, Anything uh, that you say to me from now, from this point on is going to be deemed as uh, a, a form of an order. It's going to be taken as, as, as a form of an order and a wish. And, uh, and I will fulfill your wish and order and uh, require just compensation at the rate of, you know, and I put a fee. So now if he, once he takes that card, you hand it to him, it, he should read it. If he doesn't read it, he's still liable for it. Now, if he go ahead and whatever he asks you for or demands from you, even if he says, I need your driver's license, whatever he says, you hand it to him because it's just like doing business. He both pulled up to your drive through window. He pulled up. He placed his order. How can I help you, sir? Yes, I would like your driver's license registration. Okay. Would you like the biggie size there? Would you like a, 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 side, would you like a strawberry shake with that? Uh, he's placing his order. So place, give him his order. Why would you not want to make money? This is a money-making opportunity. So he, obviously the guy wants to do business with you. So I do business. Why would I turn down business? I mean, I need to make a living too. So if he wants to do business with me, fine. I mean, my time is valuable. Okay, here, here, here's the fee. Here's what, uh, the notice I'm giving you. You've been noticed. Here's the menu. It's like a menu. So he pulled up to my window. I, get, I hand him a menu. Now he looks at the menu, whether he wants to look at it or not, and give it back without seeing how much uh, a burger costs, and he orders a burger. That's fine. Order a burger. So he can order whatever he wants, but... When I give him whatever he needs, I perform the service, I bet you by the time I, he comes back, I'm going to have that invoice filled out waiting for him. So when he gives me the ticket, I'm going to look at his name. I'm going to write his name on, that, uh, on the bill and hand him the bill. This is all on tape now. Now, whether he wants to accept the bill or not, that's on him. It's on my tape, and I'm sure it's on his tape. So if he doesn't accept the bill, it's like going to McDonald's, ordering food, and taking off of the food and not paying for it. It's the same process. It's no different. So. This notice basically is to help people that can't really speak or they get nervous or you don't even want to say anything because, believe me, some of these police officers are nice people, you know, but other ones, they're, they're kind of, they have low IQ, they're dumbed down, and uh, they, you know, they're, 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 they got uh, itchy trigger fingers, they want to pace people, they want to break windows and snatch you out of windows. You don't want to get into confrontation at all. So this is just like a you know, a, a thing that basically just kills all that. And you just hand him the notice. You don't speak. You don't do anything. And whatever he asks you, just be polite and, you know, be po as polite as a dove and just give it to him and send him a bill. Now, if he doesn't accept the bill, I, I know where, his, uh, where, he, where he works at. So I send it to his uh, agency. I send it in his name and to his agency along with a notice. Hey, you pulled up to my window the other day. You ordered a burger, large fries, and strawberry shake. And I gave you a free apple pie with that, but you didn't pay for your food and you took off. Maybe you made a mistake, but here's the bill. Bill's due in 10 days. And, you know, I put some terms and conditions and stuff on there. And also what I do is uh, within 72 hours, usually what I do is the following day, 
you take your uh, the ticket and the citation that the police officer gave you, and I make a copy of it for my records, and I take the original and I write a little notice, and I send it to the city attorney prosecutor. And with that notice, um, you know, I give him my terms and conditions, and also I put a, a a part in there about uh, his, if he doesn't respond, it's his indication of signing uh, the tacit acquiescence to the above whatever I said. And this way, the city attorney doesn't even know how to respond to you. You know, but I've done this like back in January and, and stuff like that in December, and I haven't had a response back from anybody. Anytime when I write a notice and I send it out, I don't get a response back as far as ticket-wise. Now, a ticket, you're supposed to uh, call and make a court date within 10 days or appear in person, you know, in, in your costume. But uh, I chose to send a letter the following day, and I send a certified mail. And he got it, and, I, and he got that ticket back with the notice, and I send it to him, and I send a bill to the, to the man acting as cop to the agency, and uh, I told him that he owes me $200 for his order. He ordered driver, uh, he ordered driver's license, registration, insurance, and keep my hands where he can see them. I gladly, I said, absolutely, sir. I gladly fulfilled everything he wanted. Now I send him a bill. I have to send him a bill because he's doing business. Otherwise, I'm going to take it as that was a form of slavery. Now 13th Amendment says there's no slavery, no involuntary servitude. So he can't force me. Obviously, he can't force me. Obviously, he can't tell me, do this or do this or do that, do X, Y, and Z. So everything that he's doing is in form of an order. And I take it as, okay, you want to do business with me? You, you want this from me? Okay, well, here's my fee for it. Now, you know, do business. I would love to do business with you. And it's funny, too, because when I send him an attorney, I, I tell him, thank you in advance for your business. And I swear I don't hear nothing back from them. I haven't had a notice for my driving that I missed a, uh, a hearing, that uh, something about a license suspended or a default judgment. I haven't heard nothing for anybody. And I even sent a follow-up letter to the prosecutor, and I still haven't uh, had heard anything back from him. And uh, basically on the bottom of that letter, I tell him, hey, if you don't respond, if you do not respond, uh, then I'm going to, you know, take this as your uh, tacit acquiescence that, you know, uh, and I put like one, two, three, four, five things. One of the things is that, and you wish not to do business with me, you know. So I put that in there. And uh, like I said, I never heard nothing back, but I can still pursue the, the guy acting as officer when I send him a bill. I can still pursue that yet. So, you know, I haven't decided to pursue that yet because the prosecutor hasn't been come and try to pursue something with me. And I told the guy that he gave it to me, the cop gave it to me in error, but if you wish for me to come down and discuss this with you in any type of a hearing or whatever you want to call it, I'll be more than glad to come and do it, uh, but uh, I will require an appearance fee for $250. So, you know, get back with me in 10 days. Let me know what is your wish, what you want to do, so I can, you know, prepare myself, basically. I haven't heard nothing back, and I did it a few times, and I haven't heard nothing back from the prosecutors. I haven't had nothing back from the mail for, for tickets or from the courts, anything. So, and, and then I know he, had, he got it. First, it was certified, and, you know, his agent signed for it. Second, what happened was when I first sent out the first notice to him, um, I said, you know what, he hasn't responded in 10 days, and it's already been 14 days now uh, past the ticket because the ticket says respond within 10 days. Either pay it or you have to uh, uh, set a court date. So I called. It was 14 days later. I was like, you know what, let me, just in case, I don't know, he tried to pull something funny, they tried to put a warrant out for my arrest, or, oh, you didn't appear, blah, blah, blah. So I called the court clerk, and I said, hey, you know, I'm such and such, and, um, you know, I have this ticket. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, set a hearing, set a court date for this. 
because uh, I said to myself, okay, well, if he doesn't respond with my notice, then I know what I'm going to do when I go to court. I'm going to put my notice into the court. But it didn't get to that point. You know, not after that notice I sent him in the way I worded it. You know, he looked at this notice and, you know, I'm sure probably someone asked him, hey, so what's up with this ticket? Are we going to set, you know, are we going to summons him to appear? Are we going to go to court? I'm sure he probably looked at that notice and said, man, are you crazy? This type of notice, you think I'm going to, he sent it to me in the mail and I can't respond to this. I don't know how to respond to it. You think I'm going to let this guy put me on blast in front of court? And I, he's going to make me look stupid. I don't know how to respond to this letter. You know, they know what's going on. And they know when they see you appearing as a man, they know, oh, shit, okay, uh, this is not one of the fishes. This looks like a shark. And he got real uh, sharp teeth, and he looks real hungry, too. And he's coming this way. So let's uh, hop out of the pool, you know. That's it. They hop out of the pool and leave their bathing suits in the pool. And that's what happens, and that's what ha- what's been happening so far. So people, like, you know, try to, they try to get on the line and try to say, hey, well, oh, okay, you will. Where is the success? Okay, show us a case that you want, Carl. Show, give us one case that you want and stuff like that. Well, it's not about show me a case. The, the success is how you win is when, when you succeed and having people uh, uh, leave you alone and, and let you be. The main thing everybody wants is to be let alone. That's the ultimate goal. I want to be let alone so I can enjoy my life. I'm not trying to cause anyone any harm, injury, or make them accrue any kind of a financial loss. I'm a responsible. I, I, I live in honor, and uh, this is the way life is supposed to be. There's people that are coming in and, you know, want to do a little bit of trickery because they want a, some kind of a scam and fraud and, you know, money and all kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't, I'm not into all that stuff, and I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to study any of your codes. I don't want to even begin to have that stuff in my brain. My DNA, like I said, it's, it's reprogrammed. All this garbage is out and all this, the, the truth is in. And all this stuff wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't have been uh, able to happen if it wasn't for Carl. Carl put this all together. Carl was, was the link that put all this stuff together and, and shot it out to make it so simple because he knows it's the stuff that everyone else has put out there is too complicated. It's too complicated. Plus, it's, it doesn't work. Plus, you've got to jump through all kind of hoops. Who has time for that? Who has time to sit there and master all this shit? Before that ends up happening, the world's going to end by then. Somebody's going to hit the nuke button. So Carl, what he did is he took it out, took all that stuff that he learned from all these other people and pieced it all together, filtered out all the garbage, and took together all the nuggets and put them all together. And this is Carl's method right here. Shows you shows a simple man. This is, you know, after studying and studying and studying, you, you will start to uh, reprogram your DNA as well. Now you don't have to, oh, what am I going to say? You don't have to worry about it. Why? Because your spirit will take control of within because everything that you already learned is just already inside you. You're breathing it. You're living it. You know, you're bleeding it. So now it's inside of you. So it, it just comes natural. When someone talks to you, now the, 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 all that bullshit side, it doesn't, your brain doesn't search for that in that file anymore because that file is deleted. So now you created a new file. Now anytime you take an information to, your, to yourself, well, now it's going to go into this new department, this new file, and it's going to register, and it's going to kind of come out with different outcomes every time. And these outcomes are going to be something very simple. It's so simple, like Carl says, it's scary. The main thing is what? Just learn. You've got to keep teaching yourself. Learn and learn and, and you know, take it a little bit at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself with a whole bunch of information because, you know, your brain can shut down. You can't. It'll stop processing after a while. So take a little bit of information. Take a couple of days off. You know, 
study a week, 10 days, whatever, take a couple of days off and let all that information register in your brain. Let it register in your brain so we can sort everything out and uh, so you don't overwhelm your, your process, your processor inside your brain. And then, you know, start again another week. Go hard again another week, 10 days. Give yourself a break. Let yourself take in all information, process it, send it to where it is. Believe me when I tell you, the more you do it, the more information you're going to store in your brain. And then at the times when you need that information, you're going to be able to recall it. When a situation comes up, you're going to recall exactly how to handle that situation. It's going to come natural. And that takes from time and studying and learning, just like how Gus is doing it, Mike's doing it, uh, even Mark's doing it down there, Larry's doing it. And it's all because of one man, Carl, man. He brought us all together. That's why I believe and I feel it that we're all here in one spirit. So as and long as you know how you're writing, what you're writing, that's the key thing. They, they look to see if they, you know what you're doing. Believe me, they can tell if you're made of metal or tin. All they got to do is say a couple of words, like Gus was saying earlier, how they'll try to trick you to their jurisdiction and use certain kind of words and stuff. They'll, they'll do that. They're going to do that because they're not going to just give up and lay down like that. They're going to look at you like, who the hell is this guy coming over here, you know, trying to do something different? Oh, yeah? Well, we're going to try to nail his ass. So they're going to try to press you. So, you know, if, if you're made of metal or tin. So if you're made of metal, you know how to, you know, you know how to, all right, you know how to uh, put notices in. You know how to use words. You know how to box them in. See, the thing is, what you master is you master how to box them into a corner in such a simple way, but you give them the way out, and this is the only way out that they have because other than that, there is no other way out. So you don't want to box them in a corner and just leave them there without a way out. You always want to give them a way out. Believe me, either they're going to take that way out or they're going to choose their own way out to make it look like, oh, it wasn't because of you. But... The, the main objective is you want to be let alone. And these are the victories. So if they want to ask, where are the victories? Here they are. I'll just give you an example. Send out notices. I haven't heard nothing back in since December, January from the prosecutor or anything. Right? And, you know, when, when I called to get a court date, she told me that, um, is, is this Mark? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, Mark, well, I'm sitting here, and I have this, this notice in my hand right now for uh, Paul. Paul's the uh, city attorney. I said, oh, oh, okay. Oh, so you have my letter? She says, yeah. I said, okay, uh, well, uh, you know, are you, did you guys, did Paul see it? Did he receive it? Because I sent it over 10 days ago. She goes, no, oh, no, it's right here in my hand. I'm looking at it as we speak, but he's getting it today. Paul's going to get this notice today. I said, oh, he is. She says, yeah. I said, okay. Um, so she says, but if, if you want to set up a court date, well, that's going to negate your paperwork, and I'm going to throw this notice away. She, I, I said, okay, no, 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 then don't do that. Then go ahead. So is he going to answer my notice? She says, yes. He's going to get it today, and he's going to answer today. That's what she told me. He's going to answer today. I said, okay. I've gotten some wins uh, in court um, just by filing, thank you, by filing motions and things like that. And uh, um, Actually, I'm working on uh, just recently a kid. I was at the local barbershop, and he actually uh, got a letter from the um, – County uh, jury system that they want two hundred. They wanted to charge them two hundred fifty dollars for not showing up to uh, for not fulfilling a jury summons. I said, you know what? Let's let me take a look at the letter. I sat there and I wrote a quick notice up for him and explained to him that, uh, uh, yeah, you know, actually one one of the things that I'm still trying to understand is is how to uh, how to get the claim into court. Um, I know, I know. I've got the notice part down. What I don't understand, and, and I've been, I've been fighting, going through a bunch of different videos, is trying to get something 
that I can uh, find that will give me a step-by-step process on actually how to produce the claim to the court. From what, I, from what I'm understanding, um, when I do the claim, okay, let, let's say I'm going in just for a speeding charge, uh, and I, and I want to submit my claim, um, I know I'm not going to submit it in their court case because that's their case. I want to submit it as my own personal case. But um, when I do that, I'm going to go to the, to the court clerk, and I'm actually going to file that with the court clerk as it being my personal case. Uh, and I want it being heard on that particular on the same particular day that uh, I'm supposed to be going in for arraignment. Well, I would say if you're going to do it that way, I'm not 100 percent sure. Hopefully, somebody will jump in if I'm wrong. But I would say you would file your claim, just a one-page claim, and uh, once you get your claim number. Then you can attach your exhibits, your rules of court, um, whatever notices, any kind of CFs. And then um, I would guess that you would serve it on the other side and possibly put a notice of claim into their case. And maybe, I'm not sure about this, but maybe even make them aware that on their next court date, you will be holding your court as well because the parties will all have been served and all the parties will already be in the same place at the same time. So to save public public funds and court resources, it only makes sense to hold your court while they're holding theirs. Here in upstate New York, uh, I'm sure it's all over the country, but I actually located a document for New York State Small Claims Court. Um, Would it be possible for me to file in small claims and then also use it or use that claim that I filed in small claims for a speeding charge or any criminal charge um, in another court? Well, not the same case. You can't have one case in several jurisdictions. Hey, can I chime in on this for a second? Because I just learned something recently when I was doing the uh, unlawful detainer. I started looking into it, and I found out that when you answer an unlawful detainer, you have a right to ask for a trial by jury. So I'm not sure exactly what... Are you actually dealing with a speeding ticket? Is that what you're dealing with, or are you just proposing that as an issue? Um, yeah, I'm just proposing that as an issue. Mo- most of the things that I've helped out with are all been uh, traffic uh, cases. I haven't helped uh, anyone with any actual, you know, uh, criminal charges here in upstate New York. Everything has been traffic. Right. Well, the, the one thing that I, I learned in both cases was a small a small claim is a court of record. That's the way Carl explained it to me. It's, you know, just like Judge Judy. You're walking in, two men, one man's walking out loser. So that's a no-brainer with the small claims. You're already in a court of record. Now, in the unlawful detainer, I didn't know if it was statutory. I had no idea until I actually read up the court rules as to how I can answer and what my rights are when I answer 
And one of those things were you could request a trial by, well, they call it a jury trial, but a trial by jury. So it automatically moved me into a court of record once I answered the complaint. Now I I file a cross, uh, a cross complaint and I attach my claim to it. So I have their paperwork to get me into court, but with my complaint will be my claim. So I'm changing jurisdiction by claiming with their complaint, I guess. But that's how we're flipping the jurisdiction is just by answering. So if you have a traffic ticket and you want to see the judge, mm. I'm assuming you would just ask for a hearing, a petition for a hearing or whatever documents they have to get you in front of a judge. But when you put in that petition, you put in your claim, your one-page claim. And that's how I'm understanding we're getting into court because I haven't got the cross-complaint in yet, but I did get the small claims in. The small claim was no biggie. I used to um, work with a guy who did securitizations like about a year ago. And one of the people that we did a securitization for, you know, they had to get their own attorney, but they didn't get an attorney. And um, ultimately, this... Their, their their house got foreclosed on, so he went to the bar association, and now the bar is asking me to respond. Uh, was I practicing law? You know, a, a unlawful practice of law. Yeah, right here. Mm-hmm. And now they're asking me to respond to them. So. I was listening to one of Carl's um, tapes um, where he said I could just, you know, when he responds, what authority does, what authority do you have over I, a man? So they're trying to charge you with practicing law without a license? No, they're they're investigating. So they want me to... um, they want me to give them information on, you know, what was the service I gave to this guy. Now, he did a securitization, and I have the people who say, "Well, this is the, this is the, um, this is what we did." I didn't actually do the securitization; it was done by an attorney. So he will vouch that he did it. Well, maybe you were giving your opinion, or maybe you were telling them what you would do, but you weren't really giving them legal advice. No, and and we had a contract that clearly states that I'm not giving legal advice. Well, you should perhaps write... um if there's a man, a woman with a verified claim that you were, you know, that you did something wrong. Yeah, I would say that it was, uh, you were just telling them your opinion or your belief and that um, you were just a man aiding and assisting your fellow man. 
Okay. Just say, I, I, obviously, I would never give legal advice. That's crazy. I don't know legalese. I'm not competent in legalese. I could never teach anyone legalese. Okay. Is, you, is, there, is there a man or woman that's actually asking this? There's another, there's another point, too. Even if you were giving legal advice, which you weren't, what man or woman was harmed? Right. But is there a man or woman that actually wrote that letter asking something? Because at that point, you still don't understand what they're asking. Well, the, um, the guy that got the securitization went to the Bar Association. And actually, he was going after an attorney. He was going after the attorney because he asked one attorney. I said, well, you can use this attorney, but you can use any attorney. So he started going after that attorney. And now, I guess because I was the one who said you can use that attorney, <laughs> now the bar is asking me, you know, did I give legal advice, even though there was an attorney involved. There was an attorney that was involved. Okay. Who is asking you that? Do you have a man that won't ask you that question? There was a... No, the... It, well, the the lady who's asking it, her name is... The attorney that's asking it is Jacqueline. But okay. she's asking it for the Bar Association. Never mind who she's asking it for. All you need to ask her, do she have a verified claim that you did? You know, and have you harmed or injured another man? Does she have a verified thing? And that's pretty much it. See, I would stick with I have no clue what legal advice is. I'm pretty certain I didn't give anyone any legal advice at any time. Why would I when they had a lawyer? And I would just stick with that. And... The ever popular, I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't recall. No idea what you're talking about. I don't remember. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Why would I give legal advice? Uh, is a man or woman making a claim? If I've caused any harm, loss, or injury, I'll compensate right now. But I got no clue what you're talking about legal advice. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.